Good evening and welcome to horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. And I'm the devil. <laughs> oh, can't well. undo these straps. Yes. Um, and I'm Adam, actually. <laughs> Possibly Batman. <laughs> not, not a 12 year old girl. How do you know I'm not a 12 year old girl? <laughs> it's people like you, body shaming people like me. <laughs> That, that stops the world being a lovely place, Chris. Yeah. Right. I, um, I identify but, as a 12-year-old girl. What's your problem? Um, but that's what creates us some lovely horror. <laughs> Before we get too into it, gentlemen, um, I have... It's, I know that this is going out in January, but it's currently the 15th of December for us. Happy holidays. Mm. Indeed. Merry Christmas time. So I have a special Christmas gift to everybody at Welcome to Horror. Ooh. Oh, I know, it's exciting. Um, so if all goes well, mm-hmm. live from Texas, hopefully, he says he's standing by. Ooh. There he is. Captain Howdy! <laughs> Fucking hell! It's weird I'm to see guys outside of the world of Instagram. This is bizarre. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm going to go all fangirl now, though, because he's off the radio. See, I told you, 12-year-old girl. Yeah. <laughs> Come on now. You can do it. <laughs> I'm hard as a rock right now. <laughs> um, for our listeners, we've just been, bo- been joined uh, live from Texas by um, the amazing, the one and only, Pinball Bobby from the okay. Not, from Ever- Not For Everyone podcast. Evening, go Bobby. On, go on. Hey, Bobby. How are you guys doing? We're good, thank you, sir. Thank you guys for inviting me because it's given me an excuse to start drinking at one in the afternoon Woo-hoo. on a Sunday. That's but uh, to be fair, I didn't really need, a, need an excuse for that. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yeah. And Lee's behaving himself today. He's drinking tea or coffee. I was just about to say, I should explain, <laughs> we've been putting the tree and decorations up, so I've been drinking mulled wine for two and a half hours. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I don't know. It's like uh, it's like 79 degrees outside right now. Oh, God. I wore a cardigan just to get in the Christmas spirit. <laughs> <laughs> it's unnecessary, though. It's unnecessary. So how have you been? Bobby, good? Very good. Um, I'm a little intimidated by, uh, you know, when we go around the rotation, uh, seeing what we've watched recently in horror, because I have been very preoccupied with uh, with Christmas and the holidays and stuff. So um, I don't have much to contribute there. But I got I got some stuff when we, when we get to that point. I don't want to I don't want to take the range. I want you guys to uh, to to guide us through this thing. Excellent. I see you've been up to carpentry as well. That's a that's a Christmassy thing. Yes, <laughs> that's right. I was building a manger <laughs> for uh, the Christ child. No, um, yeah, I've been uh, building a, a. I figured it's easier to save money by just building things for my parents rather than buying things for them. Even though you know materials cost money, but whatever. I'd rather work than. Uh, then, uh, you know, bust out the checkbook. Well, oh, oh, it always comes across very well, though. That's the thing. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, you've mm. made it. You know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll make a macaroni tie for my father <laughs> this year. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, right. So, uh, Chris, 
apart from going out and drinking way too much last night and then not making it over oh. this morning to watch the film, what have you Well, I didn't, I didn't, didn't hardly drink anything. <laughs> so it turns out I'm an extreme lightweight. I only had two shots and two beers. And this morning I felt awful. Oh, I got to confess yeah. something real quick. Um, right before you guys called me up into this thing, I just I just slammed a, a ten pack of chicken McNuggets. Um, <laughs> Good man. So if I suddenly leave abruptly, <laughs> for a, we, we will forgive you. Time, yeah, you'll know why. <laughs> See, I was horrified by this because they will only give us them in sixes, nines, or twenties over here. Yeah, you need a round up five. Missing yeah, yeah. I want my ten. Yes, I was just yeah. Get ten. You say you say throw another one in there. <laughs> I'm not going to charge you. Yeah, I'm not give you ten. Anyway, I'll, yeah, I'll I'm, I'm going to say right now. I don't I don't eat McDonald's very often, but uh, <laughs> I got the itch today for some reason. I drove by it and it was just like, oh yeah, give you it. You didn't. It wasn't the the thing of watching. Uh, what was it? Super Size Me. No. Which basically just made everyone want to go and get a McDonald's immediately. Yeah, afterwards. it's like what they say when you, when you watch The Sopranos, yeah. you just want to light up the whole time because yeah. everyone's very smoking on that show. Yeah. Um, I got that. I, to be honest, I got that with The Exorcist as well. I forgot oh that goodness. that has a yeah. very has a sort of very madman thing where it's like, you're yes. worried about your children. Your child. like, I've got to have everyone puffing in the kid's face. A syringe in one hand, 20-pack of Marlboro in the other. Yeah, and it's like uh, it's like respectable members of society. Um, what is it? Uh, have you seen Welcome or Welcome to Horror? Have you ever seen um, uh, Thank You for Smoking? No. Oh no, no. Oh, that's a great that's a great movie about a tobacco lobbyist, and he talks about how nowadays the only people that smoke in movies are uh, super villains and uh, Europeans or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, I just that line but it's something like that <laughs> uh, so chris have you watched anything in the last week well i haven't managed to do any horror because that's been a little hard to get in we did watch american pie the reunion while we were doing some other jobs and i think shelly was typically horrified by it um i, I do it yeah so you know i won't say much about it it's just quite ridiculous and uh a lot ruder than I remembered them being, but that okay. might just be, you know, just just You're my bad memory. Ears now. Yeah. Was yeah, it, was it the... mode. I yeah. know it's it's terrible. It changes everything. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I don't highly recommend it, but it was amusing. <laughs> <for a little laughs> well, I'll put that on the maybe list. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Adam, what have you been watching since we last met? I've watched, uh, I'm about halfway through catching up on Watchmen. Okay. Which I'm, well, I'm sticking with, mostly because um, someone I know is fully up to date on it and is quite happy for me to keep throwing theories at him and going, yes, no, yes. <laughs> and I'm just pleased with my hit rate. I'm like, sort of like, Ah, oh, and every time, oh, well, you worked that out quicker than I did. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Detective work um, going on here. <laughs> but no, that's, 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 been, that's been sort of, that's pretty good. And then for no apparent reason this morning, I watched Deep Star Six, which is an old um, underwater 
uh, monster movie from 1989, the year of underwater monster movies, because that came out and Leviathan the, came out and the, the poor man's Leviathan. Yes, yeah. <laughs> which is the poor man's abyss. Yeah, it's so I've really, I've really sunk low down the thing. But I believe there's, a, isn't there a Roger Corman deep, uh, deep sea monster yeah, movie? There's around there's, this time. I think that's like yeah, because I think there's one. What is it? Evil Rising or something like that yeah, as well. That sounds that right. Time. And that might be the Corman one. But I need I mean, to do a quadruple feature. Uh, I mean, the Break thing is... From quality to shit in one fail street. <laughs> it will reduce... The, probably best to start with The Abyss so that as you as you become, you know, as the, as the time progresses and your critical facilities are loosening somewhat, shall okay. we say, you know, by the end when you get to the real crap, you're like, do you know what? That's, that's probably on a par with The Abyss. <laughs> and then I'm utterly smashed. So you know, yeah. But that you was your life doing that. yeah. <laughs> but I think that was um, that was also wanting to. That's one of those ones that I remember the poster being in Blockbuster, mm-hmm. or in Ritzy Video, or the local video shop, where it was like that just fascinated me. And then I finally actually got around to watching it. Only hey. sort of yeah, however many years, like thirty odd years later. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. It passed. It passed the time, and I don't think that it was disturbing for Ted. So, in fact, when the monster Bonus. when the monster started clawing Greg Evergan, he pissed himself <laughs> laughing. So, <laughs> That's you know. definitely got your yeah, humour, that young lad. Oh yeah. So, did, yeah. did you say the title was Deep Star Six? Yes. And so, what's the relevance of that? That's the name of the underwater miss- uh, missile base that a group of people are building. They blow up a cavern that releases a uh, an underwater arthropod. And what Adam's trying to say right now is it doesn't fucking matter, actually. No, <laughs> it's it's basically they went. We're going to call it the abyss. Uh, someone's already done that. We're going to call it yeah. Leviathan. Same problem with that. What about Evil Rising, Corman? Oh, for fuck's sake. Right, just call it Deep Star 6. That's in the script. I know that's in the script. Deep no Star 7. Yeah. <laughs> that's true, yeah. I've, I've not seen Deep Star 1 to 5, so maybe I would have appreciated it more if I had. <laughs> you should call up every, left, every, uh, every few video stores out there left today. <laughs> See if they have Deep Star 1 through 5 available. Yeah. Because I watched six and I don't know what's happening. You know, I want to know Miguel Ferrer's backstory. I, you know, oh, and although it does feature just one of the best sort of or funniest on-screen deaths I've seen in a long time, which is uh, a, they had a anti-shark spear that basically fills you full of with compressed air, and someone mm. backed onto one that someone was holding, and it just. <laughs> And then Ooh. their tit exploded and it went everywhere. But, uh, yeah. Sounds good. Other than that, worth in, it uh... just for that. Yeah. Other than that, just a big crab film. Nice. <laughs> oh, big crab. Hmm? You, sir, are a massive crab. Yes. Uh, uh, so, Bobby. What have yes. You... What... Yeah, sorry, you look confused by that. It's... Um... Dr. Terrible's had... House of Horrible. Oh, God. That show's so good. It yeah. is a <laughs> So I'd like to thank you guys from Texas to the UK for uh, Coogan. Is it Steve Coogan on that show? Yes. Yeah. Just him in general on that show. What have I been watching? Um, so I came across this list recently online that was like, uh, you know, the best horror of the 2010s, I believe. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I was like, I bet I haven't seen many of these because if it's past 2000, we'll leave it at 2000. If it's past 2000, I'm not in any kind of hurry for whatever reason. But uh, I started going through the Amazon and, and queuing up different things. The, and I only got to one of them. You know, there's things like uh, uh, The Demon, which I haven't seen yet. And uh, uh, I can't think of any more. But anyway, um, there's a Mexican film I just watched that actually came out, I believe, in 2017. But it was just released uh, here in the States called Tigers Are Not Afraid. Ooh. Oh, I have heard that. of this. Yeah. It's pretty heavy. Um, would not call it fun. <laughs> um, would not. I, it's very well done. If, if you if you like things like City of God, have you seen the Brazilian oh, film yeah. City yeah. of God? It kind of reminded me of like a uh, Guillermo del Toro twist on the City of God kind of context. Oh. So based. Yeah, I look like I'm, I'm piquing Adam's interest. Adam's the one that likes the very, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, fucked up things it, uh, yeah. of you three. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. I'm talking to you then. Um, I like uh, to feel I fulfill that role on this show. Yes. Yeah. It's a it's an important Jungian archetype. The guy that likes fucked up things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, it's it's basically it's more or less a fairy tale um, about this these this group of orphans in Mexico, and all their parents have been more or less kidnapped and slaughtered by the cartel. So they're kind of um, digging their way through all the rubble and and and, and uh, you know sleeping outside and things and um the cart this one gentleman gentleman this one child in the movie uh orphan child ends up stealing a phone and a gun of a um of one of the main cartel guys and uh, then they're after them and there's a little girl with three pieces of chalk and they're each like three wishes um my description's not doing this justice at all, as I see the blank looks on your faces. But it's a, it, it's it's very highly acclaimed, and it uh, piqued my interest. And and I watched it with my wife the other night, and uh, she she got we got done and, and completely silent through the whole thing. And she turned to me and said, "Well, thank you for that." <laughs> and then, that was a fun so holiday romp. Yeah. So. I've just looked up the trailer and it says it's a Shudder exclusive and it's got a quote here from Stephen King saying this is one terrific film, both tough and touching. Two minutes in, I was under its spell. Now, it's very I, good. I think yeah. if, you, if you buy Stephen King like a pencil topper, he will claim that you're the future of horror. It's like getting Snoop on your single. Yeah. We should spam, actually... <laughs> we should spam his email with this episode of the yes. uh, your podcast. <laughs> this is the best goddamn horror podcast I've ever heard. <laughs> Stephen King. And I wrote Tommyknockers. <laughs> I wrote Sometimes They Come Back. <laughs> That's oh. like, I, I still maintain that is what they should be doing with any Stephen King adaption now, is just because of the from the author of it rather yeah. than a Stephen King film on Pet Cemetery, they yeah. should just roll it back to even more and more obscure ones <laughs> and just be like yeah just from the author of The Mangler from, <laughs> from the guy who had something to do with Dreamcatcher 
<laughs> from the bloke who pretended yeah. to be someone else and brought you the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. They should do that. They should do that. So, you, so you'd say it was still still a good film, even with that. Yeah, it's it's a very good. It's honestly one of the better films I've seen all year. But again, I don't really keep up with the new stuff as much as I'd like mm. to. Um, but however, um, it's one of those ones where probably one watch is is plenty. Except maybe if you're Adam, um, <laughs> or possibly yeah. Chris, it might turn Requiem. into a Christmas classic for him. <laughs> well, like Requiem for a Dream is for Chris. Yeah, right, right. No, right. no, that's 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 almost a good segue because it turns out in The Exorcist, or at least I think if I oh, put it yes. right. The mother is mm. the mother from Requiem. Yeah, and I, I don't didn't recognise her in anything else, but I ever since that she must have been in other things since if she apparently, was in this. Yes, uh, her name's Ellen Burstyn, and at one point apparently she had oh. her own sitcom for one season. Okay, but in that's that a bit random one season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's but got 160 it... acting credits on IMDb, mm. so uh, she's been busy. Oh just... yeah, no, she's she's been around. Sorry, that's... <laughs> that sounds like an aspersion that you're casting on this poor lady. Now. <laughs> well, I'm only do- I'm only doing it. Like I'm casting record. that aspersion on Chris uh, McNeil, not Ella Burstyn. <laughs> I um, do have to say that that bit though in The Exorcist where Reagan's going, oh, oh you're gonna you're getting gonna get with Burke, aren't you? And it's like. I really don't think that's Burke's flavour, to be honest. The way he's portrayed in this show, you know. If, um, she, if she's trying to pull Burke, she's barking up the wrong tree. Um, I, I, I don't want to derail here, but I, I got to point this out before we get to the next thing we talk about. I'm a fan of the, the new YouTube format for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Thank totally, you. I like it. There's always a but, though. Yeah. Um, it does uh, stifle my my fantasy. That's a very <laughs> strong word. My, uh, yeah, yeah. Where are you going with that? <laughs> my visual of when I listen to you guys on uh, just the headphones, um, my imagining that Chris is tied up like Marcellus yeah. Wallace <laughs> slash Alex from Clockwork Orange. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure we, could, we could arrange some sort of uh, design. Make him watch these obscure horror movies. Um, and on that note, I do, I do want to ask Chris this, because I, I, I... Okay, you guys have been doing this for, what, like two years now? Two, three years? Uh, three, three years. years third, three yeah. years coming We've up, been yeah. Okay. For three, but yeah. What episode is this? Uh, 63. 63. Yeah. Right on. Um for for Chris specifically, because the whole concept of correct me if I'm wrong, but the whole concept of this is is, is welcome to horror, right? <laughs> Meaning you are the the horror, for lack of a better word, horror virgin noob. Yep. noob. Okay, yes, that's more appropriate actually. Um, <laughs> on the adventure so far, how are you feeling about the genre in general? Well, yeah, that is a good question. I think um, it's it's been fascinating to see just how how wide ranging the horror genre can be, and what appeals to different people. Um, and I, I was fascinated to begin with by the philosophy, I suppose, of horror, 
Um, and yeah, what, yeah, I suppose what stands out to different people, um, and how I, I think when I started, I imagined that most people would want to be as scared as possible. And yet it turns out that most people don't necessarily like being that scared. And that just right. is me that enjoys that, that part of it. Um, or right. being as messed up as you can be. So, yeah, <laughs> I, um, you know, like, cause there's a lot more comedy throughout horror than I, sure. uh, I sort of realized. Um, because these guys will be like, here's Critters. Now here's The Exorcist. You're like, well, <laughs> yeah. these are not the same films. Um, so, so on that I note, I mean, I'm assuming you didn't really grow up with, with horror movies that maybe the same way that Adam and Lee did. Um, do you actually, because we're kind of, I would, I would imagine we're kind of uh, immune, I guess, or, uh, you know, we don't necessarily find them scary. Like, are they scary to you as a grown man for the first time seeing them? Yeah, so no, and that's, I was <laughs> okay. really hoping that we were going to find something that would be, and I guess it is more the, the psychological um, the elements to it that that add that depth, whereas sure. yeah, when you're younger, yeah, you can be terrified of something that you don't understand, and as Leah said in a few episodes, um, once you know what goes on behind the scenes, it's very hard to fully immerse yourself in a way that is actually like, oh, I, I in any way believe what I'm seeing. Um, that and we're we're all jaded, cynical, 30, 40 year old, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, unimpressionable man children now. So <laughs> does <laughs> I think that's worryingly yeah. true. <laughs> but I, I think there are, you know, some films they still do a good job of drawing you in in such a way that um you know you yeah, you're appreciating the darkness still, I think. Sure. Um, yeah, so even though it's it's not scary in the way that I would like to be able to experience again, it's it still certainly has an effect. Sure. Um, that's that's both. It's a combination of enjoyable and eerie. Um, I suppose that's perhaps the best the best way I think of it now. Right. It's, on. Re it's really if the stuff lingers, I think. Yeah. Because you because you don't. It isn't necessarily now that it's like it scared the shit out of you at the time, but if it plays on your mind. Right, yeah. like days afterwards or weeks later, and you're going, "What the fuck was that about?" Or right, just just a yeah. quick sort of like, mm. yeah. I think mm. that's the best you can hope for, really. Yeah. But, so if it, I think some... rather than rather than keeping you up at night as it would when you were a kid, it, it you it, it scans in your brain all day when you're at work. Like what the f yeah what what that's, yeah that kind of thing. Yeah, it resonates crazy. in a different way where you're not necessarily scared of it, but it's also like has an effect in that, in that manner. Mm. I think that's why we saved this evening's movie, um, as we say, for for three years of recording now, because this was, and this to me is is the pinnacle of horror. Um, and considering it was, you know, nineteen seventy three, and we've come so far since. Um, yeah, this film for me is. I did see it very young, and it did literally scare the piss out of me. You know, as it, as it did for a lot of people. Um, but watching it back now, although I, obviously I don't get that same feeling. I just can't get over how I, I say to Jennifer when we finish watching it, still how head and shoulders over anything else this film is. Um, so that's why we'd saved it. So I was like, if anything is actually going to scare him, it's going to be this. Or if anything is really going to, as you say, play on your mind for days after um, sure. and resonate, uh, this, uh, this I think would be the one really. Um, 
you guys are about to revoke my horror fan card. <laughs> so oh, just God. brace yourself. Um, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna come clean right here on on Welcome to Horror. Um, I had, too clean. I had never sat down and watched this movie front to back in one sitting until really? la- until last night. Just for- um, so for all intents and purposes, let's just say last night was the first time I watched The Exorcist. Now, through osmosis and through seeing it on look, I was raised Catholic, okay? Like mm-hmm. you like mm-hmm. we Wait, wait, when how, I was a kid, like we don't fuck around with demons and Ouija boards and yeah. all that shit. Like it scared the shit out of me. Um, even as a child, I remember watching the documentary about um, about the the boy. I guess that this movie was based on. Yeah, yes, it's kind of yeah. an amalgam, I believe. But um, and I remember watching some documentary. I was probably about eight years old, and they were talking about how they heard the boy would hear like scratches on the walls and things. Um, and then, of course, later that night at like 10, 30, 11, my, my father's outside scratching on the walls, <laughs> which is just like, explains so many psychological scarrings for me and my love of the genre now, I guess. But um, I, 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 I just think wanted it... to get that out there. I had never seen this movie in one sitting until I watched it last night by myself around the Christmas tree, drinking <laughs> Chianti, like, a, oh, like an insane person. At that point, I also have to say that I don't think the apple falls far from the tree. <laughs> in so much as your dad was doing that. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say, oh, there was like the tree against the side of the house or something like that. No, no, my dad was doing it. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, for, for, yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. Very similar relationship with my own father. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm going to show you this. Hopefully it will shit you up. And if it doesn't, I'll make sure it does later on. <laughs> See, I, I saw I, I like I saw The Shining at like probably seven or eight, and that didn't really do much like as far as scare me. But something about the uh, the uh, the devil or demons and all that mm. stuff like that was my thing where I was like, I I think that's the thing is I think Quint essentially The Exorcist is a Catholic horror movie. One hundred percent. That's the that's the 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 that's the target audience who it absolutely affects. Because I think I might be wrong on this, but I'm sure there's a quote from John Landis where he said he watched it and it was like, I mean, I'm lapsed Jewish. I didn't care. So <laughs> it's nice, you know, it's, it was his opinion was, sort of, oh, it, you know, it's, this is not I, this is this demon's not coming for me. I don't believe in him. So <laughs> one of the few times in history that's worked out for someone. <laughs> yes, yes, true enough. <laughs> For once I wasn't the target. <laughs> right, right. What are you drinking there, Bobby? Um, I'm drinking Independence Brewing Brewing Company. Um, I'm not trying to plug Texas, but it is called Native Texas. Uh, I think someone left it in my fridge, to be honest with you, but that's, that's the best beer there is, I think. Free. Excellent. <laughs> I am inside now. Oh, in the koozie as well. I got a box of them for you. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've not watched anything. So as we've already kind of started off down that road. Um, yeah, so 1973's Exorcist, uh, as we said, written by William Peter Blatty. Uh, you've got to say it like Mark Commode, though. When it's William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist. 
Now that is actually a really good documentary. <laughs> I need to uh... the fear of God. Yeah, yeah. we. I. I. Because this this will be the astounding moment. Claire watched The Exorcist with me. What? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Surely yep. not. And basically, she was absolutely fine with it because of how much it is popular culture now. How yeah. much of it is parodied? How much? Mm. The only thing that Claire was unaware of was the first like hour and fifteen minutes. She just thought the film was two priests in a bedroom right. exercise so, a child. So, yes. So what? Yes. I, so I but, said that last episode, right? Because that's absolutely what I thought, and it turns out I hadn't watched it either. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was, I was like, what am I watching? Am I even watching the right film? For but the be- the, the best bit is, like, what's is going how on? Claire did say that the first part of it was like watching Columbo. <laughs> in so much as she, she said, particularly the dinner party sequence, which is very Columbo. But she was like, there's far too many minor characters. You know, it's, mm. it's obviously set in the 70s. There's some amazing fashions going on. There's plenty of people who are kind of suspects to something that isn't, doesn't have a suspect. What if instead of... Kind of... Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's cool. But it's, like, it's kind of like, you know, there's there's so many sort of people in it that you kind of feel will have a factor who don't. They're just right. sort of to build the world, essentially, like that. And then, what's his name? Kinderman, Detective Kinderman turns up and he's just Columbo. He even at one yeah. point mentions his fucking wife. You know, it's like, oh, I like to go to the movies. My wife, she doesn't. You know, would you like to come? And then, to... And then the way he gets the the autograph for himself instead of his daughter, and yes. with a little bit of a smile, it's all a bit like, yeah, yeah. it is. It's just it's Columbo investment. Yeah. It's, it's Kolchak in a way. Well, it's Columbo when you were saying that, I was wanting. Uh, I was imagining Peter Falk playing uh, the William O'Malley character of Father Dyer, oh, which, yeah. which, which would make a very different for a very different film. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that would have been that would have been good stuff. <laughs> oh, um, I'm, I'm just going off on a reverie now that Peter Falk should have been in it, but that's <laughs> <laughs> just ruined the Exorcist for everyone. In the cast, Peter Falk. This is just completely off topic, but I know that there is a thing where people have asked this: is where people are saying, "Is does Columbo have a glass eye, or is Peter Falk's glass eye acting the part of a proper eye in Columbo?" So is Columbo, you know, is Columbo a Cyclops or not? And, you know, and I think I'm pretty certain that the police won't hire you if you've, like, if you've got, just from a, a gun perspective, I think if you've got one eye, they're probably not going to hire you. <laughs> yeah, but that's no. Claire's saying you only need one eye to fire a gun because you took it like that. It's like, no, you don't. She has got a good point. Yeah, but... We've got a resident Texan in. Wait. Why are we discussing guns? We've got an extra. Columbo never, Columbo never fires a gun, does he? No, in fact, there's a whole thing where it's like... Um, he's like a Batman. Yeah, there's a whole yeah. episode where he's pestered by a woman who's like saying you haven't been to the gun range for eight years or something like that, mm. so you need to go and get uh, that done. And it's like, yeah, he doesn't need a gun. He has his mind. Yeah. And his dirty Mac. And his dog. And he's got a load of backup. Yeah. Also, you could just throw the cigar in. If it really kicked off, throw the cigar in their face and then go for the bottles. That's what, <laughs> that's what it strikes me as, you know. You're so Romford. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, we went off like Yeah, this. yeah, I remember him. <laughs> um, yeah, so also as well, it's worth mentioning, so we all watch different versions. Um, so... 
Chris, you watched the theatrical. Adam, you watched the directors, and I yep. watched the version you've never seen. Which version did you watch, Bobby? The theatrical. Okay, cool. So, so can we highlight the differences? Should that be done now or after or during? I mean, the I mean, it's bits and pieces. I think I think the director's cut spends a bit more time in Iraq at the start. Mm-hmm. Like with okay, the archaeological dig, that seemed fairly long, way yeah. longer than I thought. Yeah, to me it was, but I was watching the director's cut, yeah, so I think it was yeah. just a wee bit longer anyway. But also, it's sort of just bits and pieces here and there. But the main thing is the spider walk sequence, where there is yeah. a scene where um, I think it's when they discover it's when they when someone comes to the door and says that Burke has been killed, the director, and they say, "Oh, he was found with his head twisted right round." Um, that sequence just ends in the theatrical version, but in the director's cut, Reagan then comes down the stairs, like arched over, like a sort of gymnast with like comes down the stairs with like backwards on her hands and feet, but sort of arched up and weird. Now, um, I remember that from the director's cut, but in the version you've never seen, she does that and then opens her mouth and blood comes blood. gushing out. Is that mm. in the director's mm. one as well? I think that's. I think the director's cut is now the version that you've never seen. Oh, I think okay. they are. I think they are the same, to be honest, or pretty much. But yeah, no blood comes out as well. And I think. I think it's just they found more material to do, because there's like the director's cut, which I think is like sort of late nineties or something like that, and then the version you've never seen, which is essentially the director's cut, just with the stuffs integrated better, and they found like they've made everything smoother so it doesn't sort of transition badly when you get to the bits that are off cuts yeah yeah. so they've mastered everything properly and graded everything right so but i think think the the only thing i noticed massively is the uh so firstly at the very beginning instead of it opening in northern iraq uh you just get like two minutes of a scene of their street in washington um Mm. with the light going out before they go to iraq which i don't remember um, and there's actually, I, I think it's a really good thing it was cut out because it kind of damaged the film. Um, there's an extra scene where you see her going and getting some medical tests before you you do in the theatrical. Yeah. Um, so there's a whole section where she goes and has some other um, psychological. No, they are medical tests. Sorry, but yeah, they basically come to the decision that maybe she should go and see a shrink. Um, but. It, it's well, kind of out of the blue. Give her, give her Ritalin, which I love. They the give fact her Ritalin, that yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I just love the fact that it's the seventies. Give your kid Ritalin. That's it. Yeah. Mm. That'll it's fix the, it. Yeah. Uh, times have changed. <laughs> <laughs> that unfortunately. Although, <laughs> yeah. to be fair, if if your child was displaying some of her symptoms, you probably would be tempted to give her Ritalin. I th- yeah. I I think. I mean, I, like I haven't I seen say, many children act like her. I mean, this is this is the thing that. Well, I mean, there's <laughs> there's the bit where because I can't remember because obviously I've watched the director's cut, and there's the bit where the psychiatrist is saying, "Does she swear?" Which yes. I don't know if that's in the theatrical version or something. No, but basically, none, none of that section is that entire. <laughs> but Ritalin, the new Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Your child demonic blocking up with Ritalin. Out of death. <laughs> But in fact, if a portal to hell opens, if you throw Ritalin or even Tixie Licks in it, it will just heal up like a like an old scab, and reality um, is fine again. What what's a Tixie Lick? 
Uh, Tixie Licks is a uh, English cough medicine for children that possibly doesn't even exist anymore. But uh, yeah, yeah. Not for now. <laughs> all right. I, but I, night nurse. Well, about night mm. nurse. It's like now, Adam, my slide, Robbie. You're are you you're in the medical industry? Is that correct? No, no, I'm just a keen amateur. It's just yeah. <laughs> no, I mean I'm no, no, I'm not in the in the medical world now. Oh, never well, mind. Sort you out. Oh, all that's helpful. Um, but Claire's family are entirely made up of nurses. I just want to know, because so, you guys brought it up, the, the parts where she was being, had all those weird, like, giant robot machines. Yes. Mm. And the, are those real? Do you all know if those are real machines? Apparently yeah. so. They're all... I'm they're assuming all... they look a little less industrial nowadays. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> I th yeah, I, th I think they might just... They might just be an MRI scanner with its clothes off. Right, yeah. they haven't. Yeah. They haven't sort of. This big horrifying jointed yeah. arm. So it's less scary. <laughs> I mean, there is, there is Jennifer. I think like, uh, I'm getting cancer same... right now just being in the same room as that. Thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the MRI now is just like a tube, and they put you in a on a bed, and it basically wheels inside it. Um, but yeah, that is effectively the thing where they laid her down and put a needle in her neck. And then they mm. had the two on either side and one that came down for target on it. Yeah, that's now just a tube and you just go inside it and it does its thing. And like, it's just nowhere near. It hums a little bit. Yeah. And that's what I said to Jennifer. I was like, yeah, screw having that done in the 70s. That looked terrifying. Mm. The, weird yeah. thing, the weird thing is, is at certain points it does feel like, so are you checking the child or preparing her to go into space? <laughs> it feels like space camp. Like, it's like, you know, it, could, it's, it could be like, Exactly in a montage, like an astronaut training montage. Yeah. Like, oh, you got to go with the, the jointed MRI terrifying arm scene. Splice you, that into there. And the, uh, the the only thing that's missing is a centrifuge where she's just been whirled around. <laughs> the underwater no gravity simulation. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just actually uh, while we're on, while we're on that bit. Here's the interesting thing, because, I mean, obviously there's a lot of stuff and bullshit and the curse of the exorcist and everything else like that. The exorcist does yeah. feature a real-life murderer in it, and it's that sequence. It's during the medical tests. There's the guy who's doing the thing where she gets the needle in her neck, the angiogram. Mm. I don't know. I watched it like that. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. You're, not, <laughs> you're not good with needles, are you? No. No. Um, so um, that's auditioning out then. But um, she, but there, there's a guy who's doing that who is a genuine radiologist, and the reason he's in it is because they were filming in a hospital and everything. But you can tell who it is because he's got like a leather-studded bracelet, which looks a bit out of place on a guy in a white coat. And he basically killed a film journalist. Um, they he picked him up in a bar. They went home for like well, what the journalist thought was a one-night stand. Uh, the other bloke, like full of coke and booze didn't like the idea of him leaving and sort of did a Jeffrey Dahmer hit him over the head with a frying pan and then stabbed him to death um, oh, shit. yeah what is this was this before it's... was this before or after the exorcist this is after the exorcist this is 77 um, yeah a guy called Paul Bateson who actually turns up in he's interviewed in Mindhunt the series too um, at one point but he's also possibly a serial murderer because they did link him to six murders of gay men in New York who were found dismembered in the Hudson River. 
So he's like the uh, he's like the Deep Star Six of Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, yeah, he yeah he's 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 seen Dahmer. He thought you know I, it's much in the same way as Deep Star Six clearly watched Alien and thought well we could do that but but we won't do it in space. We'll do it underwater. Clever. Right. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty. He is he's Deep Star Dahmer. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so there's yeah a genuine. There's there's a genuine horror right off the bat in The Exorcist is that this guy is and the thing is they've never he never confessed to it and they've never um uh, they've but they've never solved it so it remains an unsolved case but he's basically on the police records he's like well we're pretty sure it's this guy we just never got him to confess and he's locked up anyway and certainly he got locked up and they stopped so. You know, that's a fairly good com- uh, convincer. Um, but weirdly enough, that then the murders that that he probably committed, um, then William Friedkin did the movie Cruising, and that's what, and it's based on those murders, the police investigation into those murders. So, and actually, I think from what I guess, because let's face it, William Friedkin's off the fucking chart when it comes to being a loony. Um, I believe he actually went and interviewed Paul Bates in, in prison in a sort of, so, if you were going to do those murders, how would you have done them? You know, no, just I... just if. You know, I'm not saying anything, you know. Um, and then later on said, oh, no, he told me that he did it. And it's like, yes, didn't he? Yeah, he did, didn't he? Go on. It doesn't surprise me from Freaking, because he's a fucking nut job. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, don't get me wrong, this film is an absolute testament to the man's genius, but... How many people? How many people's lives did he ruin to make it? Which you know. Well, is, I uh, mean, we watched uh, again. I had to show Claire. Like I, I wanted to just show her at the start of the documentary. So we saw uh, Mark Commode in when his suit fitted him, which is quite an impressive moment. Um, but also, oh, Mark Commode. I had to. Well, I had to show her William Friedkin because I'd spent most of the movie saying William Friedkin did this. And William Freakin did that. And I did exactly the same with yeah. Jennifer. <laughs> and, it's, and it's like, William Freakin basically could be done technically for assault. William <laughs> Freakin could be arrested for psychological damages. But he popped up and it's basically, uh, Claire said, well, he looks like Garth Marenghi and he sounds like Donald Trump. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Sounds about, yeah. yeah. It that's is. the recipe for insanity. Exactly. <laughs> but he, I mean, that's the thing. When he's sitting there and he's like, yeah, he, and he does sound like Donald Trump. It's just this, it's the same voice pretty much. And it's sort of, yeah, it doesn't sort of make anything he's saying feel any the less. Wasn't there, there, isn't there a legend in which he, uh, he like fired a gun, like right by the ear of, uh, Demi, uh, what's his, what's his uh, name? Oh, yeah, Jason Miller. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Jason, just to get the reaction. Yeah. Like, all kind, there's all kinds of stuff like that, which is interesting for such an eccentric, uh, you know, uh, uh, barrier-breaking director. He also did direct uh, 1994's Blue Chips, the college basketball movie starring Nick Nolte and Shaquille. <laughs> wow. Which I thought was worth mentioning. All right. Definitely. Continue. No, we like that. Because I think, but uh, no, yeah. He, yeah, he set off, he set off guns, he set off a gun next to Jason Miller's head, and Jason Miller just turned around and said, "You know, I'm an actor. You know, if you say act surprise, I'll do it. You don't need to fire guns <laughs> near me." <laughs> Ellen Burstyn got a permanent spinal damage because there's the bit where Reagan slaps her and she. So this is the mother. 
actress. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when Reagan slaps her and she falls back and then nearly gets killed by the chest of drawers, mm. um, yeah, basically it was like, how are we going to get her to fall back? Well, what we'll do is we'll tie a rope round her and we'll get the biggest fucking stage hand we've got on the set to pull her over. And this guy just wham. So she goes back onto her, the base of her spine and actually got permanent fucking spinal damage from being in the exorcist. But they I kept mean, the shot and it's the one that's in there. Yeah, that's why she looks so shocked. I because thought someone's just did dislodged her back. Brutal. I think it it's the same with, um, I think they were saying it's the same with so the shot where Jason Miller gets hit with the bright green vomit. Um, they'd heated that up so it was super hot. So his look of shock is genuine right. because he wasn't, mm. and it burned. He was supposed to hit him so, like in the chest or something, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and it went things. straight for the fire. And evidently, he was very upset about it. Uh, yeah. Now, was that ectoplasma, or what? What? What was that supposed to be like in the world of the Exorcist? I like, had the same question. Her vomit and her spit and everything is all like really strange, looking. goopy. Yeah, sure. like yeah. nothing looks real. Very direct. Yeah. Claire said, Claire actually asked the question, is that an attack or is that a byproduct of the possession? Mm. Where it's like, is she doing projectile that? Vomit. Yeah, is she projectile vomiting to piss Karis off? Or is it just. I thought well, that I just because of the way that. she is, it seemed to fit. It does. It does have it an air seemed too calibrated to be accidental. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like a very, like, it's a very precise stream of green yeah because i think if if you were gonna be if you were gonna projectile vomit you'd probably try and turn away slightly so as not to hit the person in the face so therefore it's a demon hopefully the demon would you know i mean he's already he's already (laughs) you know he's already you know pazuzu has said quite a few Near to knuckle off colour things, old man. <laughs> so I'm kind of thinking it would then be, oh, excuse me. Off colour. You know, I don't think. If you're tied down by the by the wrists and ankles, like it, it, to still be able to physically attack someone, I think. Yeah, Chris, like, you're that's... tied down by the wrists and ankles as we speak. Do you feel that you could have a vomit, vomit on. <laughs> <laughs> Drink. I, I haven't seen his hands or feet this entire feed, so <laughs> probably won't I'm going to go with it. So I take yeah. back what I said. I'm still going to live the fantasy here. The, bo- the this, ball this gag is, only comes off so he can contribute. Out. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's fully stockholmed at this point, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, he's well I'm, I'm enjoying it now. You're yeah, playing exactly. to the hill, aren't you, Chris? <laughs> um, I hadn't realised as well until watching it back this time. It's funny how you... I don't know if you guys get it the same thing. Like you can watch a film 20 or 30 times, but when you watch it back for to, about a show, you start to notice lots of things you hadn't previously necessarily mm. spotted. Um, yeah. And I noticed this time that how little background, like there's no, apart from obviously tubular bells, there's mm. hardly any score in this at all. It's an almost silent movie in between the, the dialogue. Mm. Um, yeah, and it just makes it so tense and so... It, it's very yeah. documentary. Uh, I think right. it also just helps that it's... seventy stuff always has that sort of grit to it anyway. Yeah, right. I, I, I was thinking... Like it, that was almost a trope, not a trope, but it was a style of the early 70s horror um, because it's like they all had a pretty iconic, like, soundtrack or score, like that mm. one thing. Mm. And then 
that intensifies because they use it so sparingly. And I don't know if this is an iconic example of, of the soundtrack, but if you watch like my other favorite from this era is the changeling with George C. Scott. Yes. Oh yeah. And there's like barely any, any music in that either, but mm. when it plays, it, it's very uh, profound. Yes. Yeah. The changeling is a, uh, that's a fantastic film. We might have to do that, Chris, because I think you'd. I think that'll be one. That's, Your that's reactions very... did suggest such. You yeah. would totally love that. As, yeah. I, as someone who loves haunted house movies, particularly, and it's a mystery. It's a total standout mm. movie. Okay. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And it's George. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. If, if it's a similar style, so I, like, I thought that the style of this film was unique. I, I was trying to think where does it fit in with others that I've seen of that era and some so I thought it might help if I give a bit of background so I thought I had seen it and as you said Adam it's probably because it's been redone I've seen the comedies and because it's just so well known and uh, I, what I remember um, in school I remember people talking about it and saying about all the myths or at least some of them surrounding it like how people died on set and and I'd never heard of such a thing before I was like what you know what really real people died because of the film that sounds crazy but I still never saw the film certainly at that age I thought I'd seen it later um but but yeah and so so when when watching it like I was surprised at how subtle a lot of the film is all the way through mm. and how and like you said how many different um characters there are in it that aren't necessarily important um like there's, there's just a lot more going on in it and and I, I I really liked the aspect to it. So I actually found when it was all kicking off that that did, and it might be because I've seen the comedies. It's hard to see that as realistic as it probably looked at the time. And especially, and this could be the the parent head on again, but the way that she's talking did feel a bit, uh, I suppose, uncomfortable to me. Like and the things she's doing, obviously with a cross and. Mm-hmm. so on and it's like but that is what i remembered because i've totally forgotten about some of the scenes that had been talked about but that is what made it so well known i suppose like it was talked about in you know such uh serious uh, terms well the by, graphic by people had said any yeah the graphic nature of the language and those particular scenes definitely i mean this they still have a bit of a <gasps> You know, if you were yeah, to yeah. sort of stumbling, yeah. if you if you were just to see that like on a drama or in a film, you'd still be a bit oh bloody, you know. Mm. Even now, nineteen seventy three, you know, right. that's pretty yeah, sort yeah, of, you know, that's that is yeah. strong. And, and those are the things that have been, in, like you said, been parodied and referenced, and it, those are the things people talk about on the surface when talking about this film. Um, you got to remember too, like as disturbing as those things are they're not all that out of the realm of just horror in general. Mm. This movie though was nominated. One, it was, I want to say adjusted for inflation was the highest grossing horror film of all time. Yeah. Mm. It depends. Um, it depends on whether you count Jaws, apparently. That's, oh, really? that's the, if you count <laughs> Jaws as a horror film, which I can kind of see, but as a straight I would have thought, well, certainly where well, you'd think Jennifer would, but Oh, she would. Yeah. She's got shark phobia, but <laughs> yeah, but, fair. But as but as a sort of deliberate horror film, right? You know, oh, certainly, would, like, but, but my point is yeah. like it's it's very um, the the arc of uh, uh, Father Karras is like straight like Academy Award worthy for whatever yeah. that means. Mm. Um, 
And that's one thing I never picked up on from watching this movie through osmosis, not mm. having sat down and watched it in one city. It's like, oh my God, like I always knew the ending where he, you know, mm. I, I always know. But like the whole thing where he's lost his faith and like he's this more like secular Jesuit priest that's more into science yeah. at this point. It's very skeptical. And there's a mm. great line I, w I wrote down um, where um, Father Dyer finally shows up. Father Carr says, um, do you want to hear the background of the case, Father? And he just replies, why? Because yeah. do you want to hear the background of the case is such a like scientific question yes. to ask. But at this point, it was just like, dude, you called me. I'm like the Billy Badass Exorcist guy. We don't need to fuck around with all the details here. It's just time to take care of this, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, mm. we don't, I don't need to know about your psychological analysis of what's going on here. We just need to get some holy water and, uh, you know, fuck shit yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. No, it's very true. I think also, because that's the thing is, is I like, it's something that I've always had a bit of a problem with. And it's just, I think it is just because I've always, I've always kind of preferred The Omen just because The Omen is a set of coincidences that if you're on the outside of it, you're just going to go to someone you're imagining it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if your daughter's head turns green and spins round on itself, you can yeah. probably get a few more people to take your shit seriously. Right. Yeah. But I do <laughs> sure like... It's not just mental illness? Yeah, no. exactly. We're sure. It's like when they're saying, what was it? Um, when it's like, oh, well, you know, we think... You know, she's. She, it might be, you know, frontal lobe epilepsy. You know, she was spasming, right. and that's why the bed was shaking. It's like, yeah. fucking no. That is, <laughs> that is not someone having a spasm. That's like riding the fucking bed around like, the room. It's like the, uh, it's like the opposite of WebMD. So if I were like <laughs> to go on WebMD and say my elbow hurts, it'd be like you have elbow cancer. So it's yeah. like <laughs> the reverse of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I, but I, but sort of watching it again, uh, you know, it is the, it is basically they exhaust everything, and mm. then just say, try a priest, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of like it's quite nice that it, because thinking about it, if your doctrine is scientific, you're a doctor, you're not going to go, oh, that's supernatural. You are going to mm. rationalise it, yeah, so many ways before you're going to admit defeat and say, well, phone the Vatican. So and even <laughs> even when the even when the doctor is pitching that idea to her, he tries to scientifically explain it like like this placebo effect type thing. Yeah, like it'll just affect her. Like, oh well, you know, it's you know, they believe this, but here's what it is scientifically. But if the person, the victim believes it, you know, yeah. you can reverse that. They sort uh, of put it in voodoo. If it terms, works, it yeah. works kind of thing. Yeah. Right, it's just sort of yeah. Which is so, actually um he did uh he did that document. Did we already talk about the documentary that Friedkin did? A couple years ago, oh, where he actually God. goes, it's called uh, God damn it, it's called the Devil and the Devil and Father Amorth. Oh right, okay. And he goes, it's pretty good for what it is, but he goes and documents an actual exorcist and kind of, it's a documentary directed by Wayne Friedkin, and he 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 goes and kind of investigates the phenomenon in general and then goes and films an actual exorcist. And I must say it's not nearly as exciting as um as it's portrayed in the exorcist. So <laughs> it's very long and drawn out where you're just like, okay, what happened? Hear you guys. Sorry. That, Is that uh, you, Lee? Yeah. yeah, it's the club. Evan, he's a screwed grandfather. <laughs> 
but it does add to the atmosphere. So it does. <laughs> the yeah, ghost sorry. of Christmas present on their way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry, I apologise. Sorry, it's done now. <laughs> he usually comes down in his in his long night shirt with his cap on and a candle. <laughs> Well, that's all right, because mm. immediately you've gone to a scientific explanation for it, so that's mm. fine. After. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know. But, I, I mean, again, there's a, I know that there's, there's a good interview. I think it's, it's either... Because there's two genuine priests in the film. Uh, the guy who plays Father Dyer and right. the guy who plays... Uh, what is it? Because one of them is... The weirdest thing is with it, where is he? Where is he? No, I've that, got it written. That seems odd though. They're actual priests. And yeah, Tom. What, uh, why did they agree to be in the film? I think because they because it's the best advert culture. that the Catholic Church has ever had. If mm. there's one thing the Catholics love, it's money. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But also, this was the thing is that they did say that, you know, like church attendances after the exorcism oh, yeah. came out mm. really, really picked up. It's like the thing when you make war movies, uh, military enrollment mm. goes up. Because there, uh, there, there, mm. there is that thing as well where they actually said there were people, It was I can't remember which film it was, but <clears throat> the, the army was setting up in um, cinema foyers. So people really? were coming well, out of like yeah, whatever yeah. it was, you know, and mm. sort of like were really pumped up. Right. And then signing up to join the army. <laughs> like, fuck it. Ah, uh, public relations. Yeah, it's just mm. quite a... But, I mean, so, yeah, Father... It's Father Tom. But the weird thing is, is, like, Father Dyer, like, Will, William O'Malley, he looks like the guy you'd hire... He, they both look like actors, and they both look like they're the actor you'd pick to play a priest. So, you know, it's obviously worked quite well because, like, Father Dyer is definitely the one where it's like, we need a quite groovy priest who's okay with the fact that his mate's lost his faith and his brat ass most of the time. And you similarly, see when he's playing the piano in front of that group, is just fantastic. Yeah. Like, the Columbo party, as it yeah. should forever be known to be now. Columbo party. Yeah. But I heard that uh, J- Jack Nicholson was originally considered for the Jason Miller. Another character, yeah, which is just uh, just seems so terrible. Yeah, I that I can't see. I really no. can't because I think, but wasn't wasn't the take on it? So I can't remember who it was. Whether it was Friedkin or someone else, but someone's take on it was Jack Nicholson is too demonic to play. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I do, I feel definitely that the the one person where I kind of think is they. I can imagine Al Pacino. Yeah. 70s Al Pacino, not shouting right. 90s onwards Al Pacino, but 70s right. Al Pacino could probably <laughs> have played. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He the the calm, think... cool, collective 70s Pacino. Yes. The uh, yeah. Michael Corleone era Pacino. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, the Pacino. that's the Alan Pacino Three that we're talking about. Scarface. Yeah. Where you just get the impression that, mm, you know, don't get high on your own supply. Including possibly your own talent now, because <laughs> you've gone fucking mad, haven't you, mate? But um, which is it's nice to see. You know, you don't want someone yeah. to have to be tortured all their life. You know, uh, it's, it's like everyone ends up heading towards Jack Nicholson because, well, you might as well. He's just enjoying himself. So I don't like to call it madness. I like to call it soul liberation. 
yeah, just sub, <laughs> nice sub like, yeah. How many fucks am I giving today? No. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But the yeah, uh, but um, yeah, one. Uh, but also, there's another example of William Friedkin's madness. So you've got a real life priest, uh, William O'Malley, playing Father Dyer, and he's giving the last rites to um, Karis at the end. And they did a couple of takes, and uh, William Freakin wasn't happy with how he did it. So he said, can I have a word? Took him to one side, slapped him full across the face, and then said, action. And, yeah, William O'Malley's like in an interview, just like, yeah, you can see my hands are shaking. That's because I didn't want to be slapped again. Yeah. And it's just, you know, there's... I understand um, getting the most out of your actors, but there is an element of... abuse. Yeah, yeah, there is <laughs> genuine, genuine abuse of, a, of technically a non-actor. Yeah. You know, you've hired him to be an actor. He's not an actor, and that's probably better because the actors' union might have stepped in. But, you know, <coughs> he can only complain to his bishop at that point, and that's not going to happen, so... I don't. I don't think we we get too many directors like that these days with the with the extreme mm. measures. I don't. I don't see J.J. Abrams doing something like that. <laughs> oh yeah, that, like I get the data from yeah, the focus group them. over at Disney. This is what we've got to do today. That kind of thing. Mm. I have been referring to him as J.J. Abrams lately. <laughs> <laughs> it just annoys people at work, much yeah, in the same way. Gaga, it's called Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. Oh yes. like, what, what is that? <laughs> Lady, Lady Gaga. Gaga. And also the one that really gets winds people up at work, which is when they say Brian Cranston, you go, oh, from Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> just, you know, it's that's a great show. Yeah, and they're just going, Breaking Bad. Oh, I never saw it. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, and there's, it's like, I mean, similarly, it's like with The Shining, you know, basically, why don't you give Shelley Duvall a nervous breakdown to give, to make the, the thing work, you know? And it's that's a Francis Ford Coppola quote where it's like there's there's very few genuinely dictatorial posts left in the world, but director is one of them. Yeah. And yeah, and I think that Friedkin mm-hmm. and Kubrick took that really take that to heart where it's like, You are my playthings and I will have you killed if there is no <laughs> Is it uh... not gonna happen? Werner Herzog is kind of who? Who did the Nosferatu with? Uh, oh Klaus? yeah, yeah, that's Klaus 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 Klaus. Yeah, that. Believe me, I mean, Werner is insane, but that is why he works so well with Klaus because he was insane too, and we were both clotting to murder each other, which is a genuine thing. From there's a documentary, right. My Best Fiend, mm-hmm. is just fantastic because it's just the relationship that they had. And, oh, my God, it's like, you know, basically him calling out. Uh, I think, what is it? At one point, um, at one point when they were doing Aguia, Wrath of God, Klaus Kinski said, fuck you, you're an idiot. I'm out of here. Got in a boat and drove off. And um, Herzog pulled a shotgun on him and basically said, you can step out of the boat or go into the water. And it's sort of, yeah, and it's, but that was, that was the thing that made Kinski respect him. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, a shotgun in the face <laughs> does tend to do that, you know, you, yes. suddenly, you develop a, a certain level of sort of respect at that point. 
Um, um, I hear he's uh, particularly good in The Mandalorian. Obviously, I haven't seen it because it isn't legally available to watch in the UK yet. But I hear very good things. Well, why, um, what? 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 Yeah, no, I know. Like, like, this is great. Okay, so The Mandalorian will be available to watch in the UK in March. When Disney Plus launches. Yeah. So we can't watch it over here right now. Is that right, Luke? Yeah. And obviously we're law-abiding citizens and none of <laughs> Claire has just pointed out to me, though, she's playing The Sims over on the sofa and uh, you can now get the baby Yoda in The Sims. <laughs> it's one of the things oh, you can I... buy. Yeah, it sounds like you guys like Wait, is, know the main arc Yoda? of that story already. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think... It's one of those things where it's like, I can't go on the internet without knowing right. something about it because it's just... Right. yeah. It's to the point where it's like I'm going to watch it and just go. Oh, now a thousand, a thousand and one memes are explained. Right. <laughs> it's like Memento. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got to say, talking about um, directors getting the most out of their actors and, and Friedkin particularly, uh, and how nasty he was towards people. Apparently, he was really good with Linda Blair, um, and she, I'd forgotten just how astonishing she is in this mm. for a 12 year old like mm. I've, I've always said it like is, is she actors, actually 12 is, yeah she was like, 12 yeah, that yeah, was her age. Yeah. okay yeah. and like kid actors always pull me out of stuff because they they it's not their fault the kids they've not had time to hone their craft they're always terrible it's always awkward she is astonishing in this film mm. i can't believe like i know she did go on to have an acting career after and she did some action films and stuff um, but yeah, I, I thought she could Accent have done. Yeah, uh, I was thinking. Why, of, what did uh, she do? Streets of Rage was the one. Was it Love Streets it. of Rage? Streets of Rage. Savage, yeah, Savage, Savage Streets. Savage, Savage Streets. Street, yeah. That's the one. Uh, um, Streets oh, of Rage is a song by Madball. But you know, I got to ask you guys: Have you seen The Exorcist Two: The Heretic? John Borman's yes, lucid fever dream of insanity. <laughs> Matthew yeah. Turd. Um, oh. And what, do we, what do you guys think about that one? Uh, well, to give you an inkling, uh, we've decided the next episode after this, spoiler alert, we're doing The Exorcist 3 because we're jumping straight over to because it's fucking wank. <laughs> very, I... very good choice. <laughs> I... That I mean, entire thing. I mean, obviously, obviously, we've established, yes, I like the weird shit. Mm -hmm. and But it's... I think the weirdest choice about the whole thing is just... Well everything but <laughs> it's it's a weird sort of thing and thingy's disowned it hasn't he william peter blatty disowns it and says yeah, right. it's not that you know it had nothing to do with me they used characters for that i created but yeah and i mean surprisingly obviously linda Be linda blair's in it and um thingy's in it in flashback i think isn't he max von cedar yeah. um and, and of course you've got the marvelous richard burton <laughs> Richard Burton being very Richard Burton, very intense. But yeah, it's just yeah, it's just yeah, all over I, the shop. Real quick, I feel like that. Like I, I have a lot of like movie nerd friends and acquaintances that seem to suddenly like celebrate that film as this like aesthetic masterpiece. It's like it's not even so bad. It's good. It's so bad that it's good. Then it's bad. Then it's good again. And then it looks <laughs> great. And like all this like weird rationalization. But at the end of the day, it's a shit movie. Yeah, um, it looks cool. I like that weird '70s lighting with like the weird what they thought technology would look like, but it doesn't actually like. 
But yeah. at, once you get over that, it's just like, all right, like I've, I've seen enough. So now um, you are going to, and spoiler to the exorcist three next. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is that what I heard? Mm hmm. Uh, possibly spoil no spoilers, um, but opinion spoiler. Possibly my second favorite '90s horror movie of all time after In the Mouth of Madness. So, um, Exorcist Three is a real treat. It's a real yeah. treat. Mm. Exorcist Three just because I didn't realize this. Have, has anyone seen the Ninth Configuration? No, uh, which I don't think so. Uh, Apparently not. It's. Um, it's the second it's I think it's William Peter Blatty's first film that he directs, but it's based on one of his books. Mm. And there was a book it, originally it was a book called Twinkle Twinkle Killer Kane. And then he wrote, rewrote it and re-released it as the ninth configuration and did a movie of it. Now the plot of the ninth configuration is basically a man goes to it's the a new head of a mental asylum for military personnel goes to this asylum and basically he his theory on uh, sort of cure is to just let them run with their various illnesses, mm. um, and so you get the first first like maybe hour of the film is almost a screwball comedy because basically it's like one of the guys is convinced that he's being held there by Nazis, so the the new warden makes all the prisons like the hospital staff dress up as nazi soldiers um jason miller is in it as a man who is doing an all dog uh production of hamlet um which is just brilliant because he keeps coming in all the way through like just interrupting scenes and it's just him coming in with two dogs and just going look rosencrantz gildenstern are, are you recommending this right now? Yeah, I would okay, recommend. Okay, I, I would recommend it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if certainly. I'm not sure if it's Lee's cup of tea because it's because the weird thing is, is it's not a horror movie, but it is. It has. It then takes an exceedingly dark turn towards the end, but basically, yeah, it's all these sort of traumatized uh, ex-military officers, um, but one of them is an astronaut. And it's meant to be the astronaut that Reagan says, you're going to die up there and then pisses on the carpet. Uh... And in the plot of the ninth configuration, this guy's in the asylum because he goes, he has a breakdown literally on the launch pad and doesn't want to go back into space. Oh, and, okay. and, his ho and basically the film has a lot of stuff about he's basically saying, well, if there's no God and I die up there, how I'm, I'm dying completely alone. And it's sort of, again, sort of all lots of questions of faith come up in it. There's a really good dream sequence where basically an astronaut finds Christ crucified on the moon, which is just an amazing shot, if nothing else. I'll be but, watching that right after we're done here. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, like I say, the, sec the second half of the movie really takes a, dark, a sort of dark turn and you begin to discover things about the new head of the asylum and stuff like that and it's sort of you know it's but basically yeah william peter blatty says that's the exorcist too because it does have mm -hmm. this thematic link of the astronaut who's in the exorcist is the astronaut who's in that <coughs> and then legion is the uh the third right so um i've got i know i've got the ninth configuration somewhere it's probably at my mum's house still 
but that that was my intention is I thought I'll try and watch ninth configuration and Legion, even though, I mean, they, like I say, Jason Miller's in it. He's not playing Karras, obviously. Um, but again, just William Peter Blatty just really liked Jason Miller. Um, and like I say, he's great in it. And the first half of the movie is just piss funny because it's just lunatics taking over the asylum, essentially. And, and like I say, the whole thing with the Shakespeare uh, dogs is brilliant, especially when it's like, Someone comes in and says, "Right," and he's pitching to Jason Miller, who's this director, who's the director of the dog shape, of dog Hamlet. And he's going, "Right, what about this for Hamlet? We'll get a great Dane." And he's like, "Just get out, get out! I'm not, I'm not having it reduced to this, you know." <laughs> and yeah, it's just that's yeah. I I would recommend it, and like I say, it's kind of now in my head, it's like, oh, so that's the Exorcist trilogy, not the and obviously, then, the, the, it, yeah. and then it gets complicated because you've got Dominion and yeah. mm-hmm. what, what way around is it? It's no, it's Dominion prequel to the Exorcist or Exorcist the beginning. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Which for I don't know if you're aware of this, Chris, but basically this is getting deep. It yeah. is, but they, basically they did prequels where Father Merrin first confronts the demon because obviously the demon's meant to recognize him and know him and mm. um so but basically they got um oh what is his name paul schrader who wrote taxi driver and then directed loads of sort of really good art films and stuff and basically they hired him and said right we want you to do this prequel to the exorcist but you're going to do it properly because you're a grown-up and you do it you know don't do spinning heads and sort of people throwing up and big possession stuff and things like that. It'd be just silly, silly. We want to make it a serious, proper, you know, dramatic film. And he was like, yeah, I'm on board with that. Went off and directed it, showed them the sort of work print or whatever like that. And they were like, oi, Gooba, where's the, where's the vomiting? Where's the spinning heads and everything? So they then got Rennie Harlan in. They bumped him off it, got Rennie Harlan in to direct it and sort of make some new stuff. At this point, they've already like they're spending an extra sort of like couple of million because they've had to rehire mm. everyone back to do the reshoots. Then that comes out and everyone's like, well, this is a bit shit, isn't it? And it's a pity because we heard what Paul Schrader was doing and that sounded like yeah. that could have been good. So then they said, got Paul Schrader. To, they gave Paul Schrader a bit more money and said, can you finish doing the film you were doing? <laughs> and so there's two versions of this prequel story very, available. Very mm. They are, they are yeah. really different. But yeah, and so it's like Superman two. Yeah, yeah, it's like over overly complicated. It's like Superman two. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't feature a big thick guy with like because that is that's just the key thing for Superman two for me. Then I'm not watching it. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't have a big thick bloke going who. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm not involved. Or Sarah Douglas. What are they playing at? So, but yeah, it's just relentlessly. It's a relentlessly complicated set of sequels and possible sequels and mm. sequels in name, but not in anyone's really. head. <laughs> it's like you have to go, you go down the route where it's like, right, it's, no, there's two Terminator films. Oh, no, there's like, there's like seven. No, there's two Terminator <laughs> films. All right. Just leave it. Just leave it. So. I bought the, uh, the box set a few years back, which is um, The Exorcist, the theatrical cut. Uh, the Heretic, um, and then Dominion and the Beginning. Mm. Um, so I watched Dominion and the Beginning one night, 
I watched one, and the next night I watched the other. Um, yeah, and came out at the end of two nights going, I, I don't understand how that was the same film. Like, it just, it's two entirely different films. It's so massively different. Yeah, yeah I don't know how they, they ultimately had the same idea and managed to come out with two such such different movies. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I quite enjoyed them both, but... Yeah, yeah. Again, did y'all did y'all get the television show with Gina Davis over there? Oh, what the the Exorcist? I think it, it did. I think that appeared on Netflix. I never actually. Yeah, yeah. I know it was on. I, it. I watched I like the first two episodes. It didn't really, really didn't captivate me. It wasn't mm. terrible. But yeah, I was just curious. That, that seems to be what everyone's take has been on that. I right. don't. I mean, especially. I mean, there's there's a number of people I know where it's like. The Exorcist is that's their film. That's the one they absolutely adore. Right. And most of them were like Meh. three three episodes, turn yeah. off the series link, never bother. You know. Yeah. So I mean, obviously we must discuss Max von Sydow and his old man makeup. Chris, did you recognise him as being Ming the Merciless from Flash Golden? No, but <laughs> I haven't seen Ash Gordon, much. Oh. Did you recognise him? I don't know how far you're into Game of Thrones at the moment. Ooh, um, he is, he, we got he, to season six. Oh, so he, you've seen he's the three-eyed raven. Ah, uh, okay. But he's not the original three-eyed raven. In the, fir- the first time the three-eyed raven turns up, it's the old boy from Kill List. But then they, but then Max von Sydow said he'd do it, so they told him to jog on and said right we'll have max instead yeah okay. <laughs> yeah that seemed a bit odd that he changed but yeah okay and you did recognize him from star wars obviously yeah yes so yeah. i think, yeah, I think we did talk about him before but i didn't recognize him in this so that's uh, yeah um so he's in the last jedi law santeca uh, mm. yeah he's the guy who's got the map to luke that's the one mm. but and this oh one, yeah they're okay this one shocked me though He's the uncredited voice of Vigo the Carpathian in Ghostbusters 2. No, really? Yeah. And when you actually hear that, you just go, well, of course it is, because now I'm hearing Vigo in my head. That's Max von Sydow's voice. <laughs> I just assumed it was still the guy from In the Mouth of Madness. But, yeah. So he's the body, but yeah, Max von Sydow's the uncredited voice of Vigo the Carpathian. <laughs> and the scourge of Moldavia. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, command me, Lord. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what are you talking about? This is Vigo. <laughs> I love that film because it's so bad. Have you seen? I take it you've seen the trailer, the Ghostbusters Afterlife or whatever. I was going to bring that up actually. I did make a note. I, I forgot earlier and said, "Yeah, no, I've not watched anything." The two things I have watched was the trailers for the the trailer for the new Ghostbusters movie, uh, and I've watched the trailer for Antlers. Uh, okay. I, I can see Bobby nodding his head. He saw this. Spoiler time. alert! On the next episode of Not for Everyone, uh, we cover both of those things. But go ahead. Oh, excellent! <laughs> excellent. Um, yeah. So the the new Ghostbusters film, uh, yeah, could be good. Obviously, it's got the the kid from uh, uh, Strange Things. Things. Yeah, uh, uh, and it the first one, so that could be good. Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure how I feel about it, but it's Paul Rudd, so, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, and Antlers, I got the impression that it's going to 
entirely rest on how good that creature design is. Um, it's only hinted at in the trailer, uh, and I think that's what what's going to make or break the film. But yeah, uh, we yet to see. So uh, yeah, Ghostbusters. With the ghost with the Ghostbusters thing, though, I have to quote Trinity the Tuck Taylor and say, "Where are the jokes?" <laughs> for a horror comedy, you know, or a ghost comedy or whatever, you know, the trailers used to have the jokes in them, and now it's just like, if this is just going to be a nostalgia piece, I want, you know, I want wisecracks and funny yeah, shit happening. Yeah, I think that they were trying to take it different because, like, that backfired so terribly for the 2016 Ghostbusters. No, that's when true. all the jokes were in the uh, in, in the, the trailer. trailer. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they didn't fare well in the trailer nor in the film but um yeah it, it definitely that that new one it, it wasn't what i was expecting mm. um my thing is like okay i get it you're not necessarily like showing all your cards with the humor but just give me a tag at the end with with bill murray and or yeah. dan Aykroyd or something like that yeah we'll see i'm i'm skeptically optimistic as i am with most things yeah I mean, the one um, thing that did please me was the gunner seat because that's from the real Ghostbusters, the old cartoon. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was like, oh, yeah. that's, that, 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 that's where that's from. Yeah, that cheered me in a weird way. <laughs> it was like, of all the things that like, oh, it was just uh, for you. Oh, yeah, <laughs> just for me. Is that I showed uh, Lady Jennifer last night? I showed her the trailer. Um, yeah. And her one takeaway was, wow, it's only the trailer. The CGI already looks shit. You'd think they'd have that down by now, but no, mm. no. And Mind you, you'd pick the best two or three seconds of it. Like you right. just have the very best. So yeah, maybe it's not absolutely finished yet, but yeah, you'd think you'd you'd pick the best looking section. But it's weird. I think also it's uh, I can't. Remember. I think it's Mark Gatiss was talking about something, and it was like, why is Photoshop still shit in films? <laughs> you know, where it's like. Oh, we've got this picture where it's like, oh, we've grafted him into the crowd at this old sports stadium or in the on the grassy knoll right. at the JFK assassination. And it's always shockingly done. Like someone did it very quickly at work. <laughs> and you know, give it to the intern, they know that. That's yeah, so. you've got you know, we're thinking you've got you've got a fair budget here. Come on. What are you what are you doing with this? Um, you can do it on your phone now for Christ's yeah. sake. <laughs> Um, that's another thing I'm slightly concerned about. We mentioned it on the last episode, I think. Uh, the ghost story for Christmas that's supposed to be coming out. Mm. Um, we were discussing it the other day, and I went and checked it on IMDb. It's not showing up on Mark Gatiss or... Um, oh, who's the guy who was Doctor Who recently? Peter Capaldi. Yeah, it's not showing up on his either. So there were stories of it, but I can't find hide nor hair of it anywhere online. So I'm hoping it isn't... A, uh, fluff somewhere, but I mean it, the fact that we all heard it. Like, you oh no, I... I've uh, no, I've I've seen it in at least a couple of like interviews and things for upcoming for um, like upcoming uh, a choice of programming this Christmas on the BBC. That's what I mean, and... but it isn't on IMDb, and Christmas is what n- ten days away now. So I, then... Yeah, but I think uh, they uh, this may be if they've got um, parts in it. Like it might be if they're doing like a reveal or something. Oh, okay, okay. Sometimes that you can get stuff. It's like um, a lot of series will only give you 
like the IMDb up to that point as it's being broadcast. Oh, okay, okay. So they'll show you episode one, but they won't show you episode six. So you don't know that the guy who got killed at the end of episode one yeah, turns yeah. up at the end of episode six or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Well, let's hope it's that then. It probably is. Either that or just someone forgot. You know, well, everyone's pissed. You know, it's Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, can I just do a big jump back to uh, what's his name, Max von Sydow? Yeah, Sido. Sydow, Sydow. Now, did you say that he was in June? Yes. Yeah. Oh no, did. I did. Okay. He is in June. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. So that would have stood out to me. I definitely recognise him from there. Yeah. But for some reason, I still I just checked his picture from The Exorcist, and even though it is obvious now you've said it, it's, for some reason I still like don't see as much of a resemblance as I thought I probably should. But what was interesting, so David Lynch, um, I've just, because I'm homeschooling Toby, we've mm-hmm. just got the masterclass at, I don't know if any of you have seen that advertised everywhere. Oh, yeah. And um, because I was going to show him Hans Zimmer um, music composition mm-hmm. and, um, and Penn and Teller teaching magic, right? And they're, they're both fantastic. And then I noticed in the list that David Lynch is in there as well. So I'm going to add that to my list of things that I'm going to watch and see if I can pick up anything from him. Because I really like June, even though that's not really horror. Um, but I, what would you say is David Lynch's best horror kind of esque <sighs> film? Probably Blue Velvet. Okay, so I've never heard of that. That's probably the nearest to being like as as dark as it gets because. I find, I must admit, I find a razorhead funny. Mm, um, okay. And, and, and believe me, actually, Chris, if you watch a razorhead speaking as a parent, you'll realise it's a documentary. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> it's just, it's just, basically, it's just a horror film about having a newborn baby. That okay. is, it's like this but thing. That is a highly rated film, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's, massively... it's great. It's great, yeah. but it, I mean, it's weird. It's weird okay, as fuck. Well, yeah, and it has expect... got lots of... Because I think that's the thing is David Lynch tends to have quirky sort of stuff in there. And even something like a Razorhead, which is just kind of almost sci-fi level sort of mm-hmm. weird. Um, yeah, there's still a lot to find amusement in there and stuff. And I, it's, it's back to that thing as well where you get it with a lot of like performance artists and stuff like that, where it's like if they know it's funny and I suspect that David Lynch is pissing himself at certain parts of it, that you don't... I like that sort of thing where it's like, yes, I will be pretentious, but I will admit that this is fucking funny. Yeah, <laughs> there's a woman with big cheeks in the radiator singing. It's weird. But, yeah. <laughs> I would say that, that Blue Velvet is your, is your kind of... That should be your first Lynch, because yeah. if you like okay. it, it will... If you like it, I would encourage you to seek out other it stuff. If you don't, the I would scene probably the say, let's stop it. So maybe you might, like, more conventional stuff he does is, like, the Twin Peaks series. I mean, mm-hmm. conventional in quotes, obviously. But um, it seems like more normies like that series than, say, something like Eraserhead or The Elephant Man or something. Mm-hmm. I think that's where where things went weird, actually, is I think what happened was is that a lot of people who liked Twin Peaks didn't like right uh, Firewalk with me which was the film he did of Twin Peaks like a prequel mm-hmm. but that's because the film is very much, is is more lynch yeah right. um, whereas Twin Peaks is a creation between it's... him and a guy called Mark Frost who 
basically knows things like narrative um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and character essentially. So, so yeah. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, where does Mulholland Drive fit into this? Because I definitely watched that, and I have no idea what it was about. I cannot remember Mulholland, Mulholland Drive anything. Actually, Mulholland Drive was actually kind of a pilot. Um, right. For okay. a, for he was going to do another series. It was going to be like like mm. his follow up to well, his follow up technically to On Air, but no one no one ever speaks of <laughs> no On Air, uh, which was his six episode screwball comedy which was yeah bit of a mess <laughs> weirdly enough as soon as he's genuinely trying to be funny never let david lynch do a comedy because i don't think he can actually do that he okay. can he makes stuff funny it's like you watch bits there's bits of all of his films have funny stuff in them i mean like fucking just either absurdly funny or i find wild at heart to be a great comedy yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, and Lee, very... Lee is still pissed at me for making him watch that, <laughs> recommending it. Uh, it. Do you know what? Welcome I... to my world. <laughs> <laughs> we should I... start a support group. We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I needed to see David Lynch, as you say, like outside of Twin Peaks, which mm. I loved, and I, I needed to to check out a film. And I was like, right, it's him, it's Nicolas Cage, like Willem Dafoe. How can this not work? And then I went, yeah, no, it's just because it does. <laughs> but yeah, and, and I know now, and it's fine. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I, not one to. You know, I did like. I like to push myself with stuff like that, even if I don't like it. A lot of the time, I like to. I like to experience something outside of my normal. You definitely. That's the thing I like with you is you do try. It's not a no. It's not a shutdown thing, right? You know what I mean? It's not like right. It's well. It's like we said with Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Where it was like because I thought you were going to say you didn't like um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, at which my response was going to be, "Why are you still watching Quentin Tarantino movies? You don't like them." You know, but I've but, watched every one with the yeah, exception yeah, just... of his last one. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. And then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. For me, best film of the year, bar yeah. none. It was that, absolutely incredible. I, I, have to, I have to respect you for that. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, I mean, the amount of piffle and mental shit that I have brought around yours, and I know that I have a, a unusual taste, or sort of, you know, an acquired taste sometimes. But we've sat there, we've watched El Topo, we've watched, uh, what was it? We watched Pink Flamingos. Where we were all prepared for the shit eating and heard nothing about the blowjob, so yeah. we were like, <laughs> "Yeah, that was totally out of the blue." Yeah, we were like, "Oh, no well, way, no, we're no, for that. Yeah, no, you've shocked us. Well done, John. Yeah, has has Chris been exposed to John Waters yet? No, no, I don't think he has. No, <laughs> you should do a, a spinoff show called Welcome to John Waters. <laughs> oh yeah, same, same exact premise. Just go through the whole filmography of John oh, Waters. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I want to. I want to hear. I want to hear Chris's interpretation of the end of Multiple Maniacs. Chris, <laughs> just, yeah, I'm. I'm not going to go any further than that, Chris. In case you get the the opportunity to see it, but yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll seriously. I will give you ten pounds if you see it coming. I will definitely say that. It is one of those when whenever whenever anyone says about a twist ending, I'm like, you've not seen a twist ending until you've seen that. Yeah. It's yeah. like what's like, it, it? I like the sixth sense. You're like, no, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like what's it called, isn't it? Um, uh, it's the old Eddie Izzard joke about tales of the unexpected, where it's like, well, actually, it's tales of the 
probably expected because yeah. it's like you know I, I i know there's gonna be a twist so i'm looking for it whereas there mm. should be an, and what was it is there should be an episode where a, a man thinks that his wife's cheating on him uh he's hired a private detective to check it out and it might be but they can't really tell he comes home early from work one day and a lion eats him and it's like that 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 is a Didn't, tale of the unexpected yeah. Yeah. In, in many ways like the end of um no country for old men Mm-hmm. I just love that ending where it's like sort of, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's life. Right, <laughs> so right. Like, you know, from the beginning, I'm going to kill you all, and at the end of the, the film, twist is it kills you all. There is no twist. It's yeah, and I think actually that is that's the one thing that I think the the Columbo cast helps with The Exorcist is it feels real because people just come in. Just like uh, yeah, they're not. Like it's the mirror opposite of how the Star Wars prequels worked, where it's like everything is connected, everything you know, basically everything's either Darth Vader shagged them, or have you, have you heard of, um, with them? Have you heard Pat <laughs> Oswald's take on the the prequel? Well, multiple takes, but my one of my favorite is just because I he's talking about the prequel prequels. He says just because I find Angelina Jolie beautiful doesn't mean I want to see the inside of John Voight's balls. <laughs> or something like that that is that is beautifully summed up i have to take my hat off to him there that is yeah but it's that but yeah you sort of but with this there's like there's incidental characters it's like the the girl that who who's in exorcist 2 um what is it sharon the yeah yeah the, 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 helper. the, the tutor helper sort of thing yeah and she just turns up and, like, she survives the film. She doesn't really get involved that much, but she's there all the way through. And then she ends up, yeah, and then in Exorcist 2, she ends up setting fire to herself. But that's as maybe. But, yeah, you've just got, like, a large, again, it feels very real that you've got this large cast. And, like, not all, the, it's like, it's not one priest. You know, mm. there's the whole Jesuit school going on. So there's, like, that you know, it's multiple people that they have to go through. You know, it's not just one guy who says, "Yeah, yeah, you've, I've booked you your exorcism. That's all done for you, sir." And uh, we'll we'll have the exorcist <laughs> round to you in the morning. I'd like it to be like a help desk. You know, hello, exorcism. Free people. Yeah, so. <laughs> but it's it's the same. I, I made a note actually this time that I forget actually. Kinderman is such a he's almost a sideline character in this. So much so that I. You know, of course, there's a, a detective out there checking up on all these people who are randomly dying. Mm. But I f- always forget he's in it. And then every time I forget not only that he's in it, but what a fantastic character he is. Like I say, he is that kind of Columbo. Like, he's got a really good comedy element to him and he's a bit of a dick. And Yeah. Yeah. Like, of... And every time I forget he's in this and he's he's absolute delight. You so feel he's going to badger the... his way to the truth. Yeah. Again, it's like we said with Deathline and all those other films where you've always got the comedy dickhead mm. detective who actually mm. forget his part yeah. of the film and then he's the star of it to some degree. What See, was still... the significance of the of the Nazi uh, and the, 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 the drunk guy calling the guy the Nazi in the beginning in that scene, in the I party think, scene? I just think, I think it's just meant to hint that, well, not hint, but just prove that Burke is a fucking nightmare. He's basically basically sort of like we find him funny, okay? Because that's that's the interesting thing in the in the director's cut, and it's a lovely little touch 
but the 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 guy says, "Oh, do you, does does Reagan swear?" And she's like, "No." And she said, "Well, you know, she was using some quite bad language." Well, what did she say? Well, I don't really want to say. What did she say? Uh, she said, "Keep your goddamn hands away from my cunt." And um, Ellen Burstyn sort of goes, like, she's just that mm. far from pissing herself laughing, and it's like. But it's in that same sort of way where it's like, oh, no, that's absolutely terrible. But she's like secretly. Right. But you can sort of see that it's like, I've really got to speak to Burke. He's yeah. got to stop swearing in front of the kids because he it's Let's face it. It's I was about to say rubbing off on her. But in the, <laughs> in the book, it, no, in the book, that is kind of hinted that Burke oh, no, might really? be. Mm. Yeah. And again, I don't think I don't think it's in the movie. I don't think it needs to be. No. But I think, but I think it's kind of down the. I think it's down the line of other possible explanations initially for why Reagan mm. is acting up. Oh, okay. mm. uh, but yeah, always have the. Uh, they always say in like real poltergeist activities, a lot of the most vulnerable people to that are like pre-adolescent or adolescent young girls. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or possession. I don't know. I'm, yeah, know, like some carry factor, like poltergeist and stuff. stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, it might be. It might be burgeoning telekinesis. Right. But... <laughs> Actually, but I, I, I didn't realise... Um... <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't realise until this evening, actually, having gone through IMDb. Uh, so the guy who plays Burke Dennings um, is actually the guy from... Um, uh, what's that film with Sharon Tate? Oh, Fearless Vampire Killers. Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and again, they aged him up so massively. I was like... There's something about him that I really recognise. And then when I went and checked, I was like, oh, shit, yeah. They just stuck a massive moustache and a bad wig on him. But uh... Oh, yeah. No, he, he looks, like, professionally ridiculous in the Incredible <laughs> Vampire oh, Killers. Oh, but yeah, then, yeah. But he's... Such a good film. I th- well, I, th- I mean, Burke is kind of like... It's... I think, weirdly... I think Burke is possibly William Friedkin sort of, like... Going, uh, oh, isn't this disgusting? Look at the way these directors carry on. Meanwhile, you know, sort of like, have we have we hit a priest yet? Well, why not? It's nine it's nine o'clock in the morning. I said I wanted the priest hit by eight a.m. You know? <laughs> but this is, I think, I, I remember talking to you about this years ago, Lee. Where it's like you sort of get films have a certain level of power if people have to go through shit to do it. Mm. Much in the same way as for the no matter how many times they'll do a stunt in a new James Bond film, you know that in the old films it was basically, well, we're going to flip this car over and possibly kill a man. But if it works, great. Yeah. And we'll put it on the film. And yeah, it's, like, it's almost Newtonian. Like, it's like yeah. you've got like putting that action reaction effort mm. into things, it resonates through the, the response from the audience. Uh, yeah. It, it, the classic example is like, uh, even even stuff like um, you know just the fight choreography and like Raiders of the Lost Ark compared to yeah. what you will see nowadays in some stupid like The Rock movie or something where it just doesn't have that same visceral response yeah. from me at least. Yeah, yeah, totally. You and I think yeah, I mean that's really because a lot of people I know that the, there was a statement put out by the Catholic Church that there is a power in the film of The Exorcist mm-hmm. around the sort of the the time it was released. Sure, but that power, I think, is just well to put it sort of actors suffering for their art, you know. Right. But then I think it does it pans out, and I mean it's like the hmm. 
nowadays you would CGI Steve, uh, the breath coming out yeah, of his yeah. mouth. Yeah. They just refrigerated the set. Cold, yeah. They just refrigerated the set and Linda Blair, a 12-year-old girl, is sat there in a nighty. Mm-hmm. And and basically... even, even if your eyes don't notice that kind of stuff, I think your brain still... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a lot... I mean, And it's not just the sub- subliminal Pazuzu face turning up and sort of stuff, which weirdly enough, I think is probably the nearest that it gets to a jump scare. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and even then, that's not really a jump scare. That's more a. Did you see that? Well, mm. oh, no, no, yeah. There's you a know, um, it, a very abrupt like scream from Reagan right when Father Dyer comes in. I believe that was mm. kind of kind of startled me. Yeah, like, there is a. It's definitely yeah. not like cheap. If it if there are jump scares, they're not like for the sake of like look how spooky and it's not a cheap jump scare. It's no, like, yeah, no. Well, it's it's a build of tension followed by a right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think that's I think, what I liked about this. I, I'd forgotten just how slow paced it is because it, mm. it is a two-hour movie, and the action, action, uh, in it really is only twenty minutes, half hour. But it do, it doesn't feel drawn out. It doesn't feel like a, and and like I I love a long protracted build up to a really good. Mm-hmm. End. I'm not going to say Mandy like at all. I'm not going to say Mandy. Please. Love it. Love the first part of Mandy. Fuck Mandy. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it doesn't feel like that. Like it's, mm. it no, just it's... Kind of draws you into it so right. much that you kind of forget where it's going. And then when it starts happening, it kind of awakens you to it. So yeah, I, I, I just I just think it's a fantastically put together and really well paced film considering. It's two hours with not as much going on as you'd possibly, as you remember. You remember it being a lot more, um, a lot more, uh, again, not action-y, but you remember a lot more of the very visceral, very over-the-top scenes. Mm-hmm. But actually, they're fairly sparsely uh, dropped into the storyline, but, yeah. but not enough to to make it feel drawn out. Because I think going back to what, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go on. I was going to say, going back to what Chris was saying earlier, which I was agreeing with, is like growing up, you know, knowing about this movie through pop culture, never mm-hmm. actually sitting down and watching it. Like like he was saying, it's like you thought it was just two priests in a room the whole time. Yeah, but there's basically. like this whole yeah. first two acts of mm-hmm. like something kind of slow burn um, uh, uh, 70s style horror. However, like Lee was just saying, it's like, I felt like, oh, once it like once you got to that point where you're in the room with the two priests, you're like, oh shit, this movie only has like 20 minutes left to it. Like mm, it's yeah. so much more than just that. Yeah. And the theatrical cut is like pretty much exactly two hours, and um, it felt to me like an hour and a half because of that. It, yeah, like, totally, totally. Yeah, it does not. It does not drag. And I think, but I think it's also a shame. I think this is something that maybe, and maybe it's audience's fault. I don't know. But there is now a thing where they wouldn't give you. I don't think an audience would be trusted enough in a weird way to be like, "Look, we're going to give you this, but you know, you've got to, you you've got to stick with it." Yeah. And I think there's a lot of things now. I mean, like Alien. I mean, when you watch Alien, I mean, they, I don't think John Hurt gets the thing on his face no. till an hour in. Yeah, right. And you don't look at Jaws. That. You don't even see the yeah. shark in Jaws until like an hour and forty minutes mm. in, or something. Yeah. Or the, I mean, the you know. 
Yeah. And I, think... It's, it's, I think that was the thing. And, and I think Lords of Chaos was one of the only films sort of semi-recently that actually did that, that allowed itself enough time to really build up a, a good head of steam. Mm. Um, and that wasn't particularly well received, as I remember. Um, I know how we all, all felt about it. What did you think of that film, Bobby? Were you a fan or...? Lords of K. Which one was that again? I uh, think that I was the uh, Rob Zombie. I haven't seen it. Yet. No, that's Lords of ah, Salem. Okay. Lords of Salem. Oh, Lords of, Lords of Chaos one? is the black metal film. <sighs> Sorry, I'm. Do so you mean Lords of Salem? Yeah, I mean yeah. Lords of Salem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lords of Salem. Okay. Um, I notorious like I always. I'm not a great huge Rob Zombie fan in general. Um, I like his music more than his movies, but um, I was not. I need to give Lords of Salem a chance because I watched, I was like, oh God, like I did not like it. I'm going to say that right now. Um, but since you guys have glorified it uh, here and there throughout the, uh, the uh, lifespan of this podcast, I think I'm, I'm thinking about giving another chance. I may have been in the wrong state of mind or something when I tried to watch it, but, or thought it was going to be something else, but um, I don't remember much about it, but I remember not finding it all that good. See, I, th- I think also it's that, it's it has that weird thing of I think Rob Zombie kind of reacted back against it, where mm-hmm. it's like, oh shit, people don't like that. Um, I will go back to sort of Devil's Rejects, yeah. House of a Thousand right. Corpses, yeah. like really visceral, really fast, yeah. really low action. And, and, but weirdly, to enough, be fair, I didn't really understand the uh, I didn't really understand Rob Zombie's like whole homage to like seventies Satan type stuff at the mm-hmm. time contextually as i would now compared to when i watched that movie so maybe that has something to do with it too but um, yeah but i think yeah i just think it's that sort of weirdly enough i think the worst thing that's happened the best thing that's happened and the worst thing that's happened in entertainment is immediate feedback mm. where people is it because it's like that's fine to react but it goes one or two ways you're either second guessing yourself and you would not at that point you're not doing what you purely would have come up with right or or the worst thing which is you're getting a lot of positive feedback and you think oh dude you'll just do more of that we'll do more of that and it's like yeah that's fine but again you need to branch out and my rule is i don't read any reviews or feedback on any movies that i'm actually interested in seeing if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. yeah. If it's something I'm unsure about, like maybe that could be good, maybe not. Maybe I'll read some Rotten Tomatoes or whatever on it. But if it's something I'm looking forward to, I'm not going to, mm. you know, distort my uh, my viewing of it with that stuff. No. I do exactly the same. I try to avoid because it is fairly easy to go into stuff. If you've heard it's going to be shit, you kind of go in and, and, and do kind of find yourself picking faults in it where you wouldn't necessarily. Um, so yeah, I I definitely am am the same. Like if I really want to see something, I will try and see it before I get any spoilers or any anybody else's opinion on it, and try and right try and get it fresh. In 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 the same arena as that point, I I find that the more divisive, the more interested I am in it. Like if mm. if audience is like you know uh, audience is eighty five percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, but critics is like three percent i'm just like mm. i gotta see this movie or vice versa <laughs> yeah mm. oh definitely because i think there is again like you say it it doesn't necessarily have to be one way or the other because mm-hmm. critically acclaimed doesn't necessarily mean interesting 
because you can have, I mean, let's face it, I mean, just an example, probably mom and the dad. The artist. Okay. I just recently sort of saw that, and I know that that got, you know, that got absolutely zero in terms of any critical acclaim. But lots right. of people were just like, oh, this is, you know, just fucking nuts. It's right. Nick Cage that, doing a massive Nick Cage. And I you would say that we are the demographic for that movie. Yes. Literally the the four of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so thank you, Nick Cage. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. So we should probably wrap it up as we've gone on for, for nearly two we've hours. Nearly gone point. on for as long as The Exorcist. <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> one last thing, though, we've got to say. We need to do Ma- some uh, serious end, though. Mercedes cool. McCambridge, who was the voice of the demon. Yes. And, mm. and we're back. We're back to Billy Friedkin, nutter or genius? I think it's better. <laughs> both, frankly. Yeah. yeah. But um, yes, yeah, basically, she said, um, oh, I'll, I'll get my voice going again. Uh, I'll drink raw eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, I haven't smoked for 20 years and I'm a recovering alcoholic. But if you buy me loads of fags and I drink whiskey, which if nothing else sounds like an excuse, I've got to do it for a film. Yeah. You know, <laughs> sitting there ripped to the tits. On, yeah. Like cheap cider. I'm doing it for a film, all right? No, it's going to be huge. And yeah. then, um, yeah, and but that wasn't enough for good old William Friedkin. So um, he also tied her to a chair so that her she would sound restrained when she's fighting it. And yeah, and that was the one thing that Claire really took away from it was she just like the demon's really cool because it's and I was like yeah because it's the only one in the film having fun. Mm. Everyone else is having a really shit time, but the demon's <laughs> living it up. I did yeah. like how uh, the, the demon's first appearance whenever um, um, what's the main priest's name again? Father uh, oh, Paris. Paris. Oh. When he first appears, he's still skeptical. Like, oh, it's just like, you know, some he's schizophrenic or whatever, like mental illness thing. And But like the demons like at at full-blown peak demon at that point with like <laughs> like bloody scars on their face. He's like, and he's still like, yeah, I can't, I can't help you. You gotta talk to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And but yeah, and also I did find myself spent. I spent most of the most of the last week at work being found in corners, just going, "Why, Jimmy? Why let me go, Jimmy?" Uh, My mother used to say that to me. Uh, I swear to God, I swear to God, why you do this to me, Danny? Yeah. Like, yeah, the I'm like, no. And then I saw that, and I, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this um, is the, the the insights of your parentage are really beginning to. It's, it's explaining a lot. Really does. They're insane people. Um. So, Chris, any final thoughts before we wrap up for this evening? Of your, uh... I'm looking forward to seeing The Exorcist Three. Yeah. Excellent. You, you will not be disappointed. I'm fairly sure. And if you are disappointed, we're just going to put your gag back in and leave you. That's it. Put you in a box out on the street. Um, Excellent. So, uh, yeah, thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Bobby, thank you so much for for coming on this evening. Um, Sure. This has been brilliant. Thank (laughs) you so much. No, seriously, man. It's just so great to have you on here. Can I plug plug my stuff? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, go for it. 
Uh, yeah, not for everyone podcast. Um, the title alone, you've been warned. Uh, <laughs> on all podcatchers, real quick, I like to describe it uh, as a as a meta ride of the vehicle of film and movie podcasts, where that is actually takes second backseat to to grown man angrily exploring a, a very flawed friendship. Uh, so. <laughs> That's a perfect uh, encapsulation of it, actually. Yes. But, uh, yeah, it's massively entertaining. Um, Come for the reviews, but stay for the for the characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the reviews are like, like uh, it doesn't even matter what uh, what movie we're talking about. <laughs> That's the thing. If you go back and listen to the early episodes, um, you'll see that we're trying to kind of like straight face it, like we're trying to do a legitimate movie <laughs> review podcast, and then like we shoved it out to some of our friends. Are like. No, no, no! Just, just amp up you guys yelling at each other. Like, well, that's just how we—that's what we've been restraining this whole time to remain professional. So, we yeah, we abandoned professionalism a long time ago. And it so or conventionalism, or whatever. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, is this the Christmas episode? The The Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is this is the welcome to two thousand. Okay. Welcome to twenty twenty. Happy New Year, which is twenty twenty with on. a forty odd year old episode about ancient evil. <laughs> yes. Um, real quick, we got our big Christmas special coming out, um, which will strike your fancy, gentlemen. Um, doing a whole special on Whitley Strieber and communion. <gasps> wow! Yeah. It's probably out by the time this goes out already, but I thought I'd let you guys know. Oh, uh, excellent. We're trying I've to been... do a real abductee, but uh, we'll see what happens. Oh, shit, that'd be amazing. I'm rereading Communion right now, and it's just like, I don't know, man. I don't know about <laughs> That's my review of, of Communion. I don't know. Well, I'm already giving that, that I'm already giving that episode five thumbs up with you. <laughs> yeah. Already, I know that's going to be good. Uh, and your some last, big toes. Actually, your last one was um, the last one as of recording was the prophecy, mm-hmm. which is a film that Lee and his brother basically have always been telling me yeah. to watch. Which I have, I've never got round to it, but I'm going to have to take the plunge, especially because I think the, the trilogy is like five quid on Amazon. So it, I don't it, think it's yeah. <laughs> No, no, I got all five of them for like eight bucks. Wow. Yeah, it's on like two disc or something. I don't know. I've never <laughs> seen any of the other ones. But uh, yeah, the prophecy is weird, good, weird 90s nonsense. Oh, yeah, no, that's a pain. That's a pretty good description of it, definitely. <laughs> if you like Leviathan. <laughs> from, the pe- from the people who didn't complain about Deep Star Six, <laughs> we present. <laughs> Yeah, I got. I'm actually editing the the new episode right after we get off the line here, so uh, that should be out this week as well. Oh, fantastic! Excellent, excellent. So uh, yeah, so go and check out Not for Everyone podcast. Um, I know we say it every episode, but uh, you've heard Bobby yourselves now, so uh, yeah, how could you not? Um, thanks ever so much again for joining us. We really do appreciate it. It's uh, sure. It's been really good fun. Um, and thank thank you for my homework this week which is to watch tigers not afraid my first shudder recommendation yeah Yeah. i've got to have to watch that one softly cry yourself to sleep afterwards (laughs) (laughs) he's a parent he does that anyway every night (laughs) possibly parts on that after that line Um, 
Yeah. Um, and we will see you all in a fortnight's time. Thanks very much for listening. Good night. Nice. Night.